that was a UFO beaming back at you. Welcome to Mean Nerdo. Yeah, we're back. Happy to see you. Happy to see you too. Happy to see you over there. How you all doing? Everything good? Where did you grow up, huh? What effect that Looney Tunes have on your upbringing? Well, today we get into an episode of Looney Tunes once more. This time, we're going to talk about Daffy Duck, also featuring the great Elmer Fudd. The cartoon that we're going to look at is To Duck or Not To Duck. Notorious Daffy Duck bonkers stuff coming your way. This cartoon is from 1943. And uh, my guest today is the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Mr. William Virtus. Mr. Virtus is the former director of visual and performing arts at the Sweetwater Union High School District. He was also professor and artistic director at Southwestern College Theater Department. And he has directed, produced, and acted in over 200 plus productions. He's an award-winning theater director, motivational speaker, wrestling coach, community activist, and a tons of other just amazing things that he's done for our community. He's also a member of the San Diego Performing Arts Committee, National City Public Arts Committee, the Academy Award Nomination Committee, Screen Actors Guild, and the Directors Guild of America. He's a producing artistic director of the first professional multicultural bilingual theater company, Teatro Mascara Magica. My one and only theater teacher, I took a acting class for about a year, uh, maybe two courses in acting, uh, just to kind of learn and expand my skill set on that front. And uh, Bill was just an incredible teacher. He just glows with all this energy and um, information and you know knowledge and wisdom and love for the craft. And it's just always great to talk to him and, and be around his presence. He really showed me a lot about how to bust out of my shell, if you will, and, uh, and not be afraid to, to be vulnerable, really, to expose like the workings of what it takes to be an actor. For me, that knowledge was very vital and important to understand the craft of filmmaking. And yeah, man, being an actor is, is uh, not an easy task. One of the exercises in class was to read or, or memorize a monologue from, you know, from any play or, or movie and uh, learn it and deliver it uh, in front of your, your classroom. So the film I decided to do my monologue uh, was a uh, small scene from Easy Rider, the 1969 film produced by Peter Fonda, starred Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, Jack Nicholson. And, and I remember just totally messing up. Like, I, I think I got through it halfway and or didn't have all my lines memorized at the end, it all just unraveled. And so I never really got to uh, finish it. And, and and yeah, it was definitely a challenge for someone who, who is not an actor, who is not a, a for me, who I was just there to kind of learn and, and, uh, and just pick up whatever I could. So I hope that one day I, I, I'll be able to, uh, to be good at memorizing uh, scripts and all that. I spent some time catching up with Bill. I hadn't talked to him for quite a long time, but we had a great talk and uh, I really hope you guys enjoy it. It was just such an honor to have this opportunity to uh, talk to one of my heroes. I hope you guys dig it. Here is Mr. Virtus and me talking about Daffy Duck. 
Hello, Omar. Hello, hello, Mr. Virtus. You're looking good. You're looking good. <laughs> How are you? Well, you know, as uh, good as can be. <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. It's a, it's a nice day today, isn't it? Are you it's are you in Chula Vista today? Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful day. Yeah. By Southwestern College is where I live, right? That's right. Yeah. Hey, I, uh, by the way, I, I, uh, I, well, first of all, I just want to thank you for, for doing this. This is really, really nice of you. And, um, and, it, and it's fun. And it's great because I get to really get in touch with my peoples, you know? <laughs> That's neat. And, and by the way, I, I wasn't able to watch the, um, the uh, special that was on KUSI. How did, how did that go? I'll send it to you. Yeah, I'll send you the click. It's pretty good. They did a really good job. Uh, you know, David Scott, from uh, he's, he's retiring now from KUSI uh, this next month. So he, this is one of his last World of Wonders, you know. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. he did a really good job. I'll send you it. Okay, okay, yeah. Link from, uh, yeah, so I'll send it to you. Yeah, I'd love to to watch it and yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I mean it's history, right? I mean it's it's it uh, is history. I mean it's like the it's coming down to the pyramids, you know. Yeah, kind of thing, you know? I mean amazing architecture too, and and just well, it was the centerpiece for that architecture for Southwestern. That was the Mayan Hall Temple, you know. Right, right. I mean, it was that mostly the the uh, that building defined the architecture. I remember, you know, being in your class. I took your class for a year or two, maybe. I think it was introduction to the theater, wasn't it? Yeah, it was introduction to the theater. Right. I, I was more of a telemedia kid. And right. so I, but I wanted to kind of dive into the world of acting to kind of understand that, that side of it all. Where were you born and, and where did you grow up? Well, that's an interesting thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was born. I was born in Mexico City on Mother's Day. My mother actually wanted a a, a girl because she already had a boy, and I came out, you know, uh, on Mother's Day and the gift of the Mother's Day, May the tenth, you know, in in nineteen forty four, uh, at at the end of the World War Two, right? Wow, <laughs> almost wow. there, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was born, and I had a. Uh, I had some challenges. I was born with, it was at that time, almost uh, extreme, extreme club feet. You know, I couldn't walk. I didn't walk till I was about five years old, seven years old. Oh, wow. So, uh, and I had a brother who was Ricardo, who was two years older. And then I had a sister who was two years younger than me. So that's where I was born. And I, uh, in Mexico city, then we went to Torreon, Coahuila. My father was a, a, a pilot kind of a guy. He worked for the airlines, right? my father okay he was the, wow. uh, and so uh that's how we got to the united states but uh when we got here in 1951 my family moved to the united states in 1951 and we were on our way to la because my father had uh to work there uh in san francisco and in, in la and my mom as mexicans do bless their cars and their burros and everything right so yeah. my dad had <laughs> a 1951 plymouth and she wanted to be blessed, and she landed up on H Street at St. Rosalima. And the father came and blessed the thing, and my mother looked across the street, and there was a house for rent, 336 H Street, right across the street from uh, the church. And she said, well, I'm staying here. Because you got to understand that my mother was raised at a convent, the Cilician convent, where the arts were uh, the primary focus of the nuns, right? So she was raised there uh, uh, as a student. And uh, so she stayed, she says, I'm going, I'm here close to God and five minutes away from my home, which was Tijuana, right in Mexico. <laughs> and my dad commuted for 30, 35 years to, to San Francisco and LA. 
And we stayed in Chola Vista. At that time, my mother was a, a famous declamadora in, in Mexico, which means the spoken word of the poet. She was a poet. Oh, in fact, wow. her last, yeah, her last poet uh, recital was at Southwestern College on Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, and, and, and she had a father who was a very famous sculptor who helped sculpture all the, uh, in, in Mexico, it's the biggest bull ring in the world. They have all these uh, great sculptures of bullfighters and all that stuff. And he was uh, assistant to the main artist who sculptured all that. And he sculptured inside Baroque theaters and movie theaters. In fact, some of the angels are my mom's and my my mom's family and some of the angels in the movie houses. Amazing. So, yeah, it, it's an amazing story. So, and, and he died very young. He died, he stepped on a nail at 45 years old and died of tomaine. Uh, I think, uh, is it tomaine? Uh, tetanus. Oh, tetanus. No, yeah, tetanus. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, so uh, then my father, of course, uh, became the international uh, sales manager for uh, an operating manager for Aeronautics of Mexico. Uh, okay. That's how we got to the United States. Okay. And okay. Because he was opening the route. See, at one time, there was only one airline, Omar, in Mexico, was called Mexicana de Aviación. And I think it's still there, Mexicana. I'm not sure. Uh huh. Yeah, but, I think uh, it is. They created this new airlines called Aeronaves to make another airline international. They told my father to come to the United States and open up the, uh, the you know, landing. It's really difficult to land internationally. You know? And so yeah. he did. And that's how we got here to Chula Vista. And I was here from Chula Vista in 1951 to the present. I live, of course, I lived in, in Los Angeles and Sausalito and National City in, uh, in New York for a little while. And, right. and, uh, and then I came back to Chula Vista for all the time. I was like Peter Pan. Chula Vista was never, never land here you know yeah. to me, you know uh that's where i've been that here you know since then and wow so ju yeah just from the get-go like as a kid you've you've just been like living yeah, living exactly. both experiences yeah, time, omar and one time you know we did the shopping in tijuana uh, twice a week to the mercado because we're used to mexico you're used to buying daily right fresh fruit and fresh things i mean we would go to the mercado to get what we we're going to eat for dinner you know what i'm saying yeah <laughs> but when we came to the united states you know uh, the uh the grocery store concept was weird you know it was like it right. was just weird because at that time you could cross the border in 20 minutes or half an hour that's kind of like what i was going to ask you too was like i mean you've been in chula since the 50s and and uh 45,000 people yeah. There was 45,000 people. The end of Chula Vista was Hilltop Drive, I think it was. Yeah, and past uh, L Street was like the farms, you know, I mean, with the weird. Well, you know, my parents bought a home in the 80s, right? But I think the home right. got built in uh, right behind Castle Park High School. Oh, yeah, that was in the 60s. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. 60s that all got built. And um, mm -hmm. from what I kind of researched was that on, on Riestra, right, is the street I, I lived on, or my parents still live on. And all right. that used to be just like cows and like... Dairies, yeah. Yeah, dairies there, there you go. Yeah, yeah incredible. When you were born in Mexico City, uh, do you remember that? That period of time or were you still too too small oh yeah i remember everything in fact I, I was saying to somebody i because i had so many operations on my feet you know yeah that i still I, I i could smell ether when i was a kid even you know it was weird i uh, i can still see me going in the operating room it's those surreal things when you're real young those images of 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 that time you know oh yeah and even mexico city I, I remember mexico city as the greatest city in the world i mean xochimilco it was like being in like europe you know i mean uh 
my mother, who was, who was such an educated woman, knew everything about Mexican history, you know. Uh, Absolutely. Her, her mother was in the revolution, you know. We had a picture of my grandmother with her uh, bullets and guns. She was a zapatista. Oh, she was my. almost going to be hung. She was going to be hung. Oh my God! By the federal government, yeah, and she had to escape. You know, she I mean, we come from a we come from a revolutionary family. My my cousin had us flee Mexico in the 60s, 68 before when the um there was an attack on students at the Zocalo. My cousin was married to this young radical guy who started the who was one of the in group guys who started that uh, protest with students who, and students were shot and everything in the Zocalo, right. and they had to flee, and she went to uh, uh Poland and uh, Germany. Uh, no, Poland, where she studied uh, in Romania, where she studied film. Wow. Yeah, and she became a, a famous film director. And then they came back. The irony is when they came back, uh -huh. <laughs> he, he, he started to work for the government. Oh. <laughs> Couldn't get away from no, it so, too long. Yeah. Yeah. This is how the DNA works. My cousin was a very famous actress in, in Mexico at that time. She, she did one of the most famous plays there. Arriba los pollos. It was a, a revolutionary play with a guy named Carvadillo who became a very famous writer. So all that family was, you know, in, in the arts and stuff, you know, that voice kept echoing those memories. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, just it seems like your entire family is just kind of uh, just enveloped and, and soaked with the artistic way of being. And, and uh, yeah. Bill, what what effect did the did cartoon watching i mean were you a big cartoon oh, watcher when you were a kid oh man you hit my heart when i <laughs> that's why i wanted to talk to you about this because i'll tell you looney tunes were very influential in my youth i think i learned to speak english from the cartoons and movies especially uh when i used to go to saturday matinees at the vogue theater and most of them were looney tunes man yeah. And so Looney Tunes were part of the uh, opening of every film. Now, Looney Tunes that were developed in the 40s that were the greatest cartoons were being shown in movie houses in the early 50s and late 40s. Oh, wow. So almost all my generation were brought up by Looney Tunes. I, I'll tell you what I did because my father and mother uh, were all, like I said, my mother, especially my mother, who, who was influential in my acting thing, you know, she said, pay attention to cartoons uh, because you're an actor. And I learned very quickly that they're the best actors on this planet. <laughs> they are drawn perfectly. I had a, a mime teacher, a very famous mime teacher called Marcel Marceau, the greatest mime in the world. He was my mime teacher. And he said that economy of movement was the greatest gesture of acting, right? Yes. Especially in film Economy of movement is the formula for cartoons. You never see a cartoon without exact movement that speaks to the gesture. So they are the perfect actor, perfect in eyes and reaction. There is no wasted movement. The timing, so right? It's just the, on. Oh, oh, it, it, no, they are the best actors in the world. Yeah. They should be getting Academy Awards for cartoons, I mean, for acting, right? Now, here's the thing is that uh, I paid very close attention as an actor to cartoons, gestures and takes, double takes, you know, reactions, you know, uh, opposition and all that. That's even before I studied acting as a, as a formal tool, like Stanislavski or the method or any of that, right? Or yeah. mine, mine, mine is economy of movement, right? Right, the, yeah. The so think about that. That was the foundation, the seeds of the garden that grew into Bill Virtues was this cartoons 
the combination of my, my favorite stars that I saw, Abbott and Costello, man. Are you kidding me? That Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, mm. March Brothers, the Ritz Brothers, the Three Stooges. Beep, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, Red Skeleton, my God. Marcel Marceau, Cantinflas. Yes. Tintan, Resortes. You were all models for the cartoons. You know, the styles of slapstick, farce, situation, comedy comedy of characters, comedy of manners, all were in Looney Tunes. And we were seduced by them. I learned classical music through Looney Tunes. From Tchaikovsky, right? Yeah. To, uh, to Beethoven, to, they were what we call the, uh, you know, what, uh, what um, uh, what's his name? Carl Stallings, who created the sound effects, you know, had this incredible foundation of these Warner Brothers music, as you know, and they were all the classics, you know, yeah. the William Tell Overture, you know, everything, everything was in those cartoons. So I learned classical music through that. And it was incredible. To this day, my brother and I, this is no lie. You call my brother and he'll be like, hey, what's up, doc? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, what a maroon. Which way did he go? Which way did he go? You know, <laughs> we talk like cartoons, you know? Yeah. Suck attack, you know? <laughs> it's just so thing? rich. So rich of, of these, you know, incredible characters. And, and uh, it's just remarkable that, that it's so part of, like, everyone's DNA. And especially, you know, someone like like you. I mean, when I when I first met you, it was just kind of like, this this man is amazing. Like, I, this is a teacher I was looking for. You tapped into something that just inspired me from the moment I stepped into your classroom. You had just that energy, you know, that energy. And, and, and you were very, you know, very serious at times and, and very silly at others and, and just... Um, you have this great aura, you know, and 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 uh, and I just wanted to thank you for that, for for sort of enriching my upbringing in that way. And well, um, thank you very much. That's that's really nice of you to say. You know, one of the things that has happened, you talk about Looney Tunes. You know, the energy level. I have always been. I think I had everything. You know, ADD, BDD, CDD, all that <laughs> stuff. You know, I, I, I was just called the weird guy. But you know, I I think the energy level that I got from the cartoons and acting it was one of those senses of uh, you know, el fuego, el fuego. My mm -hmm. mom would say, you know, the cartoons have fuego, they have fire. Look at them, you know, they're just so energetic and loud in in their just their eyes are loud, and I don't mean vocally. They're just the energy is loud, you know. Yes, and, yes. And, one of the things that I never wanted to be a teacher and it was just an accident, but uh, one of the things that happened was that it was part of acting for me. It was the role that, you know, you had, you had a goal to do and there was those serious moments. I mean, I think Popeye is, uh, you know, I, I keep saying these, these are very serious cartoons. I mean, Popeye is almost dead, you know, I mean, the cartoons, you know, <laughs> uh, you see, uh, you know, Daffy Duck, what, <laughs> when when Elmer Fudd shoots a, 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 a cannon at him and he comes out in all feathers, he almost dead, you know, and yeah. then he survives. Then, you know, you go back, oh, you know, you pick yourself up. It's almost like falling out of a banana, on a banana uh, 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 peel and pick up and wiping your nalgas out and going back and do it and i think energy you know and you know the students by the way energy comes both ways it's it's if if their students are just falling asleep then you die you just you burn out when the students yeah. are with you you know I, I always said that my students were my favorite audience they were an audience to me 
Yeah. I fed off of them. In fact, my lecture, sometimes I would go, I would have my lecture there and I would just veer my lecture because of the students, the way they were functioning that day, you know? Yeah. I don't absolutely. know if anybody learned anything, but I got to tell you, I, I, it was a great, great energy time. It was, it was a give and take for me, for you. And thank you, Omar, for absolutely. that. No, it was very, very impactful. Um, you know, coming from more behind the camera, because my thing is more like cinematography, but uh, but I, I knew I needed to understand sort of the the other side, right? The other side of the lens. And <laughs> I remember one time I, I even maybe auditioned for one of your uh, plays. And, you know, I had I had like uh, two left feet, you know, because you you I also I didn't know I had to dance as well. And and oh, I yeah. like, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is <Yeah>, no. <laughs> a bit off more than I can chew here. And uh, <laughs> no, but, you but know, was, I had I. I I had people in, that go to Broadway, that went to Broadway, they told me at the very first time, you know, I don't want to be in the musical, I can't sing. I said, well, I'm going to make you sing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember, I, I, you weren't in, I don't know, in my acting class, but in my acting class, I had an exercise that just frightened everybody. It was, uh, they had to get up and sing a song, you know, okay, <laughs> no matter yeah. what, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, was yeah. A, it was a matter of hearing your voice is what it is. You've got to hear your voice. You know? Right. You, gotta, you just got to hear your voice. Exactly. You know, and, and in filmmaking, you hear your voice through the lens, you know, yeah. that's the voice of the director, you know, and a producer in acting is your literally your vocal voice, your your present voice is there. That's your instrument. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's your instrument. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I had to do a monologue and it was uh, from uh, I picked the uh, the scene with Jack Nicholson from Easy Rider. And we, oh, yeah. we were we it was a scene where they were like in the campfire and he starts talking about the UFOs and and I I almost had it, man. I almost had it, and then like I, I forgot my last couple of uh, sentences there, and, and I was like, oh man. So I kind of want to revisit that and, and try and accomplish that. <laughs> you will, you yeah. will. <laughs> Why don't we watch a little bit of the clip of the cartoon I picked, and maybe that'll sure. kind of also trigger some other ideas and, and memories. Here we go. Leon Schlesinger. Gentle like, see, Laramore? What's really neat about this is the teaching element that uh, the the animal itself is teaching the humans, you're right? Yeah. He becomes more human than a human. So he, he wants to teach him how to do it right, only uh, for his own benefit, right? <laughs> Daffy Duck is just this character that, I mean, he, oh, he, he's so screwy, you know, but, but at the same time, so smart, you know, extremely smart. And <laughs> I just love right. him. Right, you I know, the him. word, that, yeah, the, the word Daffy, it was all in our vocabulary. God, what a Daffy guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it comes from this 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 duck, right? right, that has this mind of a genius. It's almost like the roadrunner without words, you know? Yeah. That Daffy Duck is, 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 is the essential wise guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's a trickster. He's like a Moliere character. He's a trickster, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, which is a, it's a fun character to be, you know? Hello. Sorry I had to plug you, Mr. Duck, but I'm a sportsman. A great, great sportsman. 
<laughs> a great sportsman, <laughs> Sportsman. Listen, sport, you don't know the meaning of fair play. What chance has a poor, helpless, fluffy, little winged creature like me against That's you? That's pure acting. You with your bullets, and your shotgun, and your knife, and your dick call, and your hunting coat, and your hunting dog, and all kind of stuff like that there. You don't like that, do you? Yeah, see, that's uh, yeah. that's old James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart yeah. all rolling for one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, what was what's interesting to me in this particular uh, cartoon was that boxing was the centerpiece of this cartoon. And in that time, boxing was right at, during the war. You know, uh, uh, Joe Lewis was the big guy. And, and, and he was going to fight the enemy, which was the, uh, the German guy. Uh, and so this whole metaphor of this cartoon, and this is like the 1943 here, right? Right. A this... cartoon. When I saw the cartoon, I go, wow, they, they actually went into the culture of the people, which was the boxing era, right? Which was that fight of the century. When the uh, when Lewis was before, you know, going to fight this guy, and we were actually fighting Germany, and then channeling it through this comedy, right? I mean, this is a comedy we're watching, but at the same time, right? And you know, the the, the rules of the Queensberry rules were were absolutely the moral to to good fighting. You had to fight by the rules, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Okay, let me let me watch. Let's okay, watch on. the rest of it. Next Schnelling, that's it. See, and it's all funny because the guy is black. The duck is black and Goofy is white. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I just brought Joe Lewis and Schnelling to this thing. And gentle ducks. <laughs> In that corner. All <laughs> 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 oh, these boobies. He's a dog. <laughs> See, this is a the, the, the aside. The aside is a really good thing, you know. That the technique of the aside, looking at the audience, breaking right. the fourth you wall, know, it, it, it's like George Burns when he was doing the George and Burns and the Allen show. You know, the breaking of the fourth wall was tremendous in the in these cartoons, where he actually gets you involved as an audience. You know, that technique of the aside. Yeah. I, I remember you teaching us that there's a technique that I, I recall that, you know, depending on where your eyes were fixated or, or looking or glancing at right. and, and even the direction. Right. The if you're looking up to the top left or top right or right or, or down to the right, that that all meant something different. And right. Well, your eyes. Well, your brain does it. Yeah. You know, your 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 brain. If you look down to the left, you're you're kind of depressed near your heart, you know. Down right, it's really further further down. If you look down and look at your, if you 
you do those exercises, you're right. It, you know, look up, look way up. It's, it's spiritual. If you look left, it's kind of very mysterious, just to the left and to the right. You get scared because it's very near to you, right? Yeah. I mean, it really is. And the eyeballs here are incredible. But the aside is a, a technique used in, 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 you know, in in the theater for a long time. You know, mm -hmm. uh, speaking to the audience. So this is why this is great acting. Absolutely, absolutely, because it's so it's so visual and, and cinematic. But at the same time, it's 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 bringing all the elements of theater and just hitting hitting you like perfectly like you said like it's all i mean it's animated so it's got to be you know on point as far as time yeah and the other thing is that the other thing is you know there's all this underneath uh social commentary you here's a duck who happens to be the minority in yeah. in the in the uh adult world the the human world and then all of a sudden he gets into the arena and he becomes the, ma the majority right <laughs> yeah. you know, in, his, in his own world he's the champ that's right <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's the lesson to be learned right uh-huh uh, be with the people like not like minds right the that's people right. who think together and you know in your own in your own world you bring your you, you bring the power of your group look at all the ducks and and poor looney number <laughs> foot has his dog <laughs> his faithful dog you know right <laughs> you're right all right <laughs> and here's round one coming up one, three, nine, ten, you're out. The winner and new champion, Daffy Duck. <laughs> 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 Getting a little revenge there at the end. Oh, that's incredible. That's And you know, as we were hearing, as you full, you 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 pay attention to this Carl Williams's voice, which is the music score. You know, yeah. I mean, we were all. I when even when I directed shows, I would use the teen 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 teen. You know, his whole quotation and a metronome system that he used. But without that underscore of Carl Stallings, there's no none of these cartoons. You know. Yeah, uh, those were the soundtracks that followed us all, and 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 just think about the the movies that, you know, I mean, just the influence of the score itself, you know, the sound effects that became part of our vocabulary and part of film vocabulary, brought to you by a guy, Carl Stallings, who who was a musician. I mean, this guy was a genius. Without yeah. Carl Stallings, there is no voice for Looney Tunes, you know. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? It is incredible. How, and he wrote scores right before he even saw the cartoons. This guy, I mean, the the way he used uh, it was called quotations, where he would put the uh, the classical music into his own, you know, system of sound effects. You know, and, he, and there wasn't a lot of bars. You know, there was right. a few measures of the classical uh, score that would, would be weaving into these great sound effects. And every cartoon had a different one, by the way. You know, Daffy yeah. Duck's music is different than Bugs Bunny. I mean, I, I remember those falling off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wild, wild coyote, right? Falling down the, uh, the, the trenches there, down In the fact, canyon. One day, I, I, I actually, I, I fell from, I forgot where I fell, but I made that, I made that sign. I fell from a roof or somewhere. And I, <laughs> 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 I 
I think that out. saved me just doing that, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I said this, but I was, a, I, I, as a kid, I was, a, 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 my chocolate was Looney Two cartoons, you know. Yeah. I was smaller than most of the children, plus I had braces in my shoes, you know, and it was hard to run. I was always being chased by bullies, you oh, know. Oh, man. And yeah. I had to use my sense of humor and survive, just like Bugs Bunny. In fact, it was so weird that these voices, I had these voices in my body. Uh, when I was a kid, I imitated a, a, a lot of people. I, I won first place at the first Chilvista Fiesta de la Luna contest, uh, imitating, you know, actors like Johnny Ray and Jimmy Durante. Jimmy Durante was my favorite. Because he had a cartoon voice. What's oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are. But anyway, uh, and then all of a sudden, these uh, cartoon voices would come. So that my my that was my childhood. I was Looney Tunes, you know. Did that just remain with you, like as you got older, like well, yeah, when I was a teenager, you no, know, I always had those voices that I could escape from, right? And everybody, it was weird because I. You know how you have find a niche of popularity, right, or something, right? And so everybody would say, oh, do a Jimmy Durante. In fact, you know, in talent shows, you know, it was one of those, instead of playing guitar, right. I would do these things. I would act out. I would act out because acting was my thing. But as a teenager, I, 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 because of that cold, you know, smaller than thou, you know, the, the cartoons, there's a big guy like, look at, Elmer Fudd and all these guys are bigger than Daffy Duck. You know, all these guys right. are larger than. So my teenagers were very traumatic. I I hated junior high uh, because yeah. it was a finger pointing and and everybody who was different was made fun of. You know, and and the bigger and more mature kids got all the power. Even it was even condoned mm -hmm. by faculty. You know, the big wow. kids. You know, yeah. uh, and you know, I I even wanted. To, I hated taking showers because I was like a pollo loco man. I had no hair, no nothing. And <laughs> I, I was so embarrassed about my skinny little small body where right. these guys were growing up with hair, like hair, you know, yeah. what is this? You know? So it was very traumatic. Yeah, uh, man. Those are, those was, are tough years. The survival of the fittest, you know, it, it, well, it, they were tough. I mean, and you know, people were at a time when, you know, uh, even ninth in my ninth grade, I remember people wanting to get married. Can you believe that? They, wow. they were talking about being married in ninth grade. I mean, it was like Romeo and Juliet. And for me, you know, girls, I was girls, the kid friend, you know, I was the, oh, I was everybody's friend when I wanted to be the lover, you know, I, I knew how to be a lover, but I, I was so small that I was everybody's friend. But high school was my most fun and productive life, you know. Um, even though my sister and brother were the most popular people in school, they, you know, my brother was like little all-American football player and and class president and all that stuff, you know, uh, letter, lettered in all the sports. My sister was class president and cheerleader, you know, but they they were like the two pieces of bread in the in the jamon in the torta. I was the jamon. I was the ham in the torta. <laughs> so uh, uh, I used. To, you know what I did? I think I used my skills that I learned in, in the cartoons and in my acting, the diplomacy of uh, acting to survive, you know. And as a sophomore, I, I found my voice. Uh, I was voted into the varsity cheerleading squad for the first time as a sophomore. Can you believe that? I was wrote, they wrote me in to be a cheerleader. So that was the beginning of Bill Virtues' oh, wow. uh, voice. And the other thing, you know, I didn't ever fall into cliques. I was never into a clique. I, I was in the Letterman sweater. I mean, a Letterman's club and all those clubs. But, you know, I, I had friends that were very different, you know, Hells Angels uh, friends and uh, African-American friends and little gangsters from San Isidro that were handsome guys, man. These little Cholos guys, you know, with Sir Guy <laughs> shirts that 
at that time, like we were $30 shirts, man. And oh, pristine. Oh man, pristine pants and, uh, and, and shoes that shine. And they were handsome guys, you know, they were all friends of mine. And so that's my, what was my world, you know, in, in, in high school. And then of course, sports came because sports were very big in my family. My dad, besides being a uh, pilot and stuff, he was a, a golden glove champion, oh, wow. um, boxing champion. And he played, uh, he played triple a baseball and, in uh, New York City with Leo DeRocher from the Dodgers, who oh, were best wow. friends, and Al Campanas, they were best friends with my father's. Wow. And so uh, uh, so sports were that other side of the coin because my brother played uh, sports. So I, and I, I, because I, I wanted to do that, right? Right. But I, what is a 79 pound, you know, little kid, skinny kid <laughs> going to do? So what happened was my brother, uh, I, I went out for football uh, as a sophomore. And of course I got killed, you know, and I was used as a football. So I, and my brother got mad and there was a pre-wrestling term, a pre-wrestling uh, exercise. And he kicked me in the room. He said, well, you're uh -huh. going in there. I was a fighter, man. Yeah. You know, if, if I, Cause in junior high, I was bullied, and I, I just, I, I jumped on these guys, you know. I, right. I just, uh, yeah, it just, it just built up, and and you know, it, it was around yeah. you, so it was like, yeah, I didn't take any guff from anybody. So when I was tossed in the wrestling room, I was tossed, and I bumped into this guy, and he happened to be a CIF champion guy at that time, and uh, I happened to beat him in in the wrestling room just by being wild. I was a wild guy, you know. And mm -hmm. the guy says, "You're staying in the room," and that's how I got into wrestling. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be in that wrestling room, which was my other side of life. Right? I've always used wrestling as a as a metaphor for everything. For me, wrestling was a uh, part of the uh, my life, you know. And I was very fortunate in wrestling that I had winning careers, you know. And then I became a coach. Uh, I was inducted in the Hall of Fame at Chula Vista High School and, uh, and Southwestern College for uh, wrestling. It, it was it, you know. Uh, just think about acting and wrestling, you know. On stage, you are alone, right? right? Yeah. Let's say you're Hamlet, right? But there's a whole cast of characters around you. Well, yeah. in wrestling, you're the 95-pounder alone on the mat with a team behind you, just another cast. But everything depends on your performance. Absolutely. And it is true, you know. I don't know how many times... Did we win by one match being won, right? What happened was that uh, it became part of my life and, and acting, it became part of it. You have to, you had to believe that you could win. Like in acting, you have to believe in the moment to moment, you know, it's part of improvisation and wrestling is all improvisation. You learn, you learn all the moves, like if you learn all the lines, Yeah. but things happen and you have to improvise because it, it's not written in the script. Right. Like, look at look at, the, look at the Looney Cartoons. If you close your eyes, uh -huh. nothing is is seen except the acting part of it. Right. It's all words. But when you open your eyes and you see the acting upon the word, that makes it all. Well, that's why I think acting and and wrestling were they have always been part of my life. I've coached for fifty years or forty five years or whatever it was. So forty five years of coaching. Wow. You know, I just retired last year. You know, but you know what? I got to tell you, what a fortunate kid I am. The Lou Gehrig mantra, I'm right. the luckiest man in the history of uh, the human species. Uh, everything just has fallen into it because this wild kid who was not a very good high school student, you know, C's and B's and D's, right? Mm -hmm. Became 
uh, became a pretty good college student, you know, and yeah. it took me a long time. I, I, I matured very late in life. I was still, you know, very young when I got married, 23, had a wonderful wife and two wonderful kids, but I was still young. And uh, I got to tell you, my family and uh, always supported me. And in fact, my kids were in the very first place that they ever did at Southwestern College. It, w it was just a dream come true. And, you know, to have a house to do what you can right was unbelievable yeah, I, could do I mean i mean yeah you you living across the street but also southwestern college became like your your casa you know it's well like, southwestern yeah. college was the mayan hall you know was mm -hmm. uh was it it was i was i was given the permission to create to make errors to take risks and students were willing to trust me i guess Yeah. Even though I was a very hard taskmaster, you know, I, I wasn't easy to get along with because perfection was my, right. my reach. But I knew that, you know, you never reach perfection. But my dad said, always look at a person and know that there's gold in them. You have to know how to mine that gold in them. And so I, I've always tried to do that for them. You know, I mean, it's a partnership. You know, they're successful. Then I become successful. Absolutely. Then the theater. Be, and then every it's a trickle down fit. It yeah. starts with a student. It starts with yeah. them. And then it go trickles up to the school. Right. Right. It doesn't start from the top. Right. It always, and then the student starts with his parents and support or, or, or lack of whatever it is, the drive. It's a trickle up theory for me. You know, uh, that that's that's exactly what pulled me in to, you know, to go back into the classroom with you it was just like, yeah, it was it was just this calling and, and this I felt great, you know, even though I felt extremely challenged every time going into your classroom and, and uh, it was igniting this this fire in me. Well, you have to you have to reach for that because what happens, yeah, you know, it's like the old saying, you know, you, you reach for the moon and you fall on a star. But, you know, if you don't have those lofty goals, right, right, you'll stay at the moment and think that, that that's the best it is. Always moving. Always moving. Just like Daffy Duck, man. And yeah. Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, I have this heartfelt gratitude towards you. I appreciate everything that you're doing out there in the community that you continue doing to this day. What can you hope for future generations? What advice do you have for, for young people? Well, I have a lot of advice for you. <laughs> yeah. Or is that another uh, podcast? <laughs> yeah, that is. But I got to tell you, I wrote a lot of stuff down because, I, you know, one of my favorite things is to do motivational talks for kids. I just love going to schools and, and, and talk, right? Absolutely. So I have, uh, I have these, little, th these little sentences that I go off on, but I, I'm just going to give you some of them. Remember, uh, when you point your finger, you have three pointing back at you. Watch your thoughts for they become your words, right? Mm -hmm. Watch your words for they become your actions. Watch your actions for they become your habit. Watch your habits for they become your character. Watch your character for it becomes your destiny. Uh, the other thing is be careful of your choices because each choice becomes your future. For me, the, that was part of, um, I think, my happiness is the choices that I made were risky, but I, they were choices that you had to take. But I was very careful. You know why, Omar? I knew the yeah. consequences. Right. You know, I knew the consequences of that. My father would always tell it to me, you know, in an airplane, Look for an exit, mm -hmm. right? Look for the exit in an airplane, right? Yeah. Well, look for an exit wherever you go. In a crowded room, look for an exit. Yeah. Uh, when you're when you're with bad people, look for an exit, right? It, it really is important to find a, a way out of situations, right? Absolutely. That you got yourself in. You know, we talk about wrestling. You know, you find yourself in this situation, you got to get out or you'll get pinned, right? 
right. uh, your choices. I always tell people, don't do time in school. Don't look at the clock. Follow your passion. That's that's one of the things. Follow your fuego, your corazón. Mm-hmm. Don't follow the money. The money will come. Don't follow the money. Yeah. Respect each other. Family. Back up your family. Know your heritage. Had I known that I was going to be a successful guy that spoke Spanish, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. They were telling Oh, Spanish, you got to leave your word. No, 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 no. That's your gold. Your heritage, your culture is your gold. My God, where would people be? They wouldn't be working now. When I worked at the Broadway, nobody spoke Spanish. Now nobody speaks English yeah. <laughs> there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. Education is the key to happiness, man. Education is the mm-hmm. key to happiness. Don't burn bridges. Yeah. Know who took you to the dance, man. I'm going to tell you, I did not like a lot of the people that I've <laughs> talked about, right? right. Uh, but I, I, I respected them because they brought me to the dance. They bought me a house. They gave me a family, you know. I don't have to like them, but I do have to respect them. You know, being liked is a very silly thing. Mm-hmm. Don't be liked. You know, I like a lot of things, but I don't respect a lot of them. Right. Don't be liked. And then junior high, that was a flaw. Everybody wants to be liked in junior high. Remember that women are different than you if you're a man. There's an old book that you should read. Women are from Venus, men are from Mars. <laughs> know that you're two separate beings or your marriages. And you, well, you know, and I know, mm-hmm. you know, there were two different people. And at one time we were one. And guess what? We all change, right? That's right. Know the change is coming. Accept the change and don't blame anybody else because change is inevitable. It's the hardest thing to do, right? Absolutely. And it's, 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 it's a wonderful thing to do, to know that you can change. Be loyal, be loyal, be loyal. Be truthful. Take risks, especially in the theater and in our business. See great movies. Read great books. Hear great music. Be around great people. <laughs> right? <laughs> I love it. I you love are, it. Yeah. yeah you, are, you are a product of what you put in yourself. Garbage in, garbage out. Know what you're eating, not only physically, but know what you're eating mentally. And follow the footsteps of the good. Not to be the same as others, man. It's just a passive cover, right? Mm -hmm. And please don't sweat the small stuff, man. (laughs) But take care of the small stuff so it doesn't become the big stuff. The big stuff. So, and the last thing is, you know, don't be afraid to make mistakes. We're going to make them. Yeah, that's right. And the last, tell people that, You love them. That's around you. Thank your parents every single day, man. Kiss your mom. Hug your dad. Say hi to a friend. And once you succeed, you will never want to fail. That's it. So that's a whole book. I'm sorry. No, no, no. (laughs) That is so profound. So beautiful. And uh, Mr. Virtues. And that's my philosophy. That's what I talk about. I, I've seen you. I've seen you always, you know, say these things to me and, and to others around you. And, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I love it. I absolutely. It's a message that needs to just be radiating out of all of us at all times. And well, I think it's like, you know, once uh, somebody said, you know, a Bible is just a book. But if you don't act upon it, then you're you're a hypocrite. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and we, I hate to say this, but if unless you keep saying the mantra. It's like meditation. Mm-hmm. It will never work. You've got to keep repeating the mantra. Yeah. Whatever mantra you believe in, it'll become part of you. I mean, it's just that it, because so many things come into our minds and our souls that leave us. 
but you know, I love the power of prayer. I have to tell you, and I'm not a very religious person, mm-hmm. but I love the power of prayer because I I have seen it work for me because I believed it worked for me, whether it did or not. I believe in it. Mm-hmm. And if I believe in the words that I'm saying as an actor, and I believe the choices that I made as a wrestler, and I believe as the choices that I made as a man, then I'm okay with it. You know, I don't know how many times I say our fathers and our Hail Marys and the act of contrition because my mom ingrained it in us. But it's a comfort zone. It's a blanket for the soul. Right. And if you don't want to keep repeating the mantra, that's why I keep repeating to the kids, you know, these are these are the golden rules, man. You know, go back to the cartoons. uh, If you don't listen to the cartoons. There's this purity, you know, to it. And there's this uh, sort of innocence. But at the same time, you know, there's this root of humanity attached to it and well their morality place yeah their morality place you know the good will conquer good choices you know mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is that amazing they're all little morality place yeah they're, they have a beginning middle and end and they'll all end up good that's right you know that's right and and the winner will be the guy that's smarter and makes the right choices right mm-hmm. and we'll go back to the same mistake the same cartoons will gain the same mistake you know I always go, when will uh, Elmer Fudd learn, right? <laughs> right. When will they ever learn, you know? <laughs> yeah. The coyote or, you know, that's why I like Leghorn Bighorn. I, I say, I say, boy, I say, you know, uh, you're a chicken hawk, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, you know, unbelievable lessons, right? Right. And to this day, <laughs> they're echoing in my heart and in my mind. That's all, folks. Bill, I, I, again, I just wanted to wrap up here and, and tell you how much I, I appreciate you. Um, you know, I thank you for, for doing this, for recording. and But not just this, I, I want to thank you for just my, my life growing up, you know, as, as a, from, from a young student to, to now. But I thank you very much. I always, I always enjoyed that, you know, and, I, and I've always appreciated you, especially, you know. And when you go beyond, beyond, you know, you'll always look around and, and you know who will be there because they're always there for you right now, you know. Right. And so for me, for me, it's an honor. It's an honor to know you, known you as a young man, known you in your transitions. And, and now this evolution that you're going and, and, and following your passion of uh, media. And I'm so thankful that, that you that that I got a, the chance for you to be my teacher, you know. Well, I'm the fortunate. I'm the fortunate <laughs> one that had students like you, really. I, and that's no bullshit. That's yeah. absolute true, you know. Well, thank you very much for everything. And, you know, this was enjoyable. And I wish you nothing but the best for you forever. Likewise. You have a beautiful day, sir. Okay, love you. Love you too, man. Adios. Adios. Gracias. Y si se puede.